0: Who's responsibility is it for biosecurity? And, and the answer is, it's everyone. It, you cannot have great bioscurity without having everybody involved in it, everybody paying attention, being compliant with it, understanding it too. Uh, too often, we sometimes uh, at office or veterinarians will make very complicated protocols, but they cannot be followed in the field uh, day to day. So I. Yeah, Bowscruity is everybody's responsibility. It is uh, from the one that designed the protocols, the one that applied the protocols, um, from the owners of company, they need to support their staff if they really believe in it, uh, and then the people doing the work, whoever they are, and not just barn staff, it's the whole industry.
1: It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. This episode sponsored highlight is about Adiseo, a worldwide leader in animal nutrition. Adiseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And welcome to one of our special podcasts that celebrates International Women's Day. Today, we have a special guest speaker with us. Her name is Dr. Karen Talbot, who is with High Life out of Manitoba, Canada.
0: How are you today, Karen? Very good. Thank you very much for having me for this special episode.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have you on for sure. Well, some of our audience may not be familiar with you, particularly our U.S. audience may not be as familiar with you. And so let's start first with just having you give a little bit of background about yourself.
0: Sure. So I'm a veterinarian. I graduated from University of Montreal in 2008. From there, I accepted a job in Manitoba. So I moved from Quebec to Manitoba to work for iTech at a time. Uh, and then I've been there since then. And uh, yeah, started as a herd vet and now I've uh, been uh, appointed director of animal health. And I oversee a growing team of uh, veterinarians, With assistant, and also the audit team. So it's been a very exciting journey, actually.
2: Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, and I think this is a great topic today that we're going to talk about as well. So one of the conversations we were having was really around biosecurity and biocontainment and some of that, particularly since you're a vet. Diseases are one of your probably favorite topics to talk about, or least favorite, depending on the day (laughs) I would guess. Um, But I think it's really exciting to have some um, what I would call a different international perspective, right? So what what's being done in Canada that might be looking look different than what's being done in the United States? So maybe let's kind of just start with your philosophy around biosecurity. You know, how whose responsibility is it? How do we make those decisions? I know you're involved in auditing and so forth, but we'll we'll get to that later. So let's just talk about the basics of biosecurity and. You know, where does it start and whose responsibility is it?
0: Yeah, and that is a great question. And it's interesting because even even in my role this year um, in high life, we've really questioned that exact, whose responsibility is it for bioscurity? And and the answer is it's everyone. You cannot have great bioscurity without having everybody involved in it, everybody paying attention, being compliant with it, understanding it too. Uh, Too often we sometimes... at office or veterinarians will make very complicated protocols, but they cannot be followed in the field uh, day to day. So, yeah, Bowscruity is everybody's responsibility. It is uh, from the one that designed the protocols, the one that applied the protocols, um, from the owners of company, they need to support their staff if they really believe in it, uh, and then the people doing the work, whoever they are, and not just barn staff, it's the whole industry. It's the transport industry, the wash base, it's our feed mill, our distribution centers, uh, our manure pumping crews, it's everyone. And that's why biosecurity is not an easy topic because uh, there's so many people involved and it is not always simple. So trying to make it simple, clear, efficient um,
2: it is not easy, but yeah, we're making good progress. So, So when you think of biosecurity, what are some common procedures that you like to see on a farm?
0: Yeah, there is a lot I and mean, well, it will depend on your uh, level. One thing that uh, might be different, and I'm not 100% familiar with all the US bioscurity, but we have pretty high bioscurity in, in our saw barn, obviously, uh, but also down to our finishing barn. We have showering, showering out process uh, in pretty much all our farms. And I cannot speak for all Canada, but for high life for sure. And it's very common in the, in the West of Canada. Um, So, for us, it's not abnormal. We go in farms. It can be a multi It can be a commercial sow, nursery finishing. We shower in and we shower out. And the showering out is as important. Uh, We'll mention biocontainment. We too often forget about biocontainment. It's too late. Once we know we have a disease in a herd, it's too late. It's been already uh, probably carried by your footwear or your truck somewhere else. So, also having biocontainment in place in your herd, always thinking you might have a disease is as important. So
2: so let's talk a bit about biocontainment. You mentioned it. Some people may not be familiar with it. mean I think we, we know the term, but what does that look like when we talk about a pig facility?
0: Yeah. So bio so bioscurity would be everything you can do to avoid disease in. I think people are very familiar with that. Biocontainment is everything you do to avoid disease out. And, and it's maybe, it's not a new term. We've heard a lot about it. Um, but I would say for me, it really became real when we got hit with PD in 2017. That is a different beast, that PD, And it spread very quickly if you're not careful. Um, so we really changed some of our bioscreening protocols, but a lot of our biocontainment protocols. Always thinking that you might have the disease in your herd day to day and acting like if it was there makes a big difference. So yeah, biocontainment is just do everything you can in case you have the disease and you don't want to spread it.
2: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned showering out. That would be one one practice. Yes. What other practices do you think about as far as containment?
0: Yeah, so bringing supplies in, everybody knows, supposed to be disinfected. But what about those supplies you bring out? So you're bringing a specific set of tools on a finishing barn to fix some equipment. Uh, and then you go back to the warehouse with that set of tools. Well, that could have carried something for sure uh, to your warehouse. Maybe you'll disinfect it to your next farm, but it might now be into your warehouse. Uh, your vehicles as well. So we implement what we call the CAS, so control access zone, and, and uh, in our high PD season, we ask everyone to park really far from the barn, and that's again for biocontainment. That virus you can find everywhere, and I'll talk a lot about PD today because that is my struggle. <laughs> we don't have much purse. I'm lucky, but PD is is real for us. So you'll hear about that disease, but it applies for any disease. So parking really far from your fans, from your barn, so your vehicles don't become contaminated. And then the next stop you do, uh, which could be it could be at a grocery store or it could be visit some friend or it could be the next farm. So you, you carry it with you. So really, it's anything you take out of the farm you have to consider or that is parked close to the farm.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that even goes into even though, you know, it's hard to biocontain, it, it still goes into manure management. Yes. It goes into composting. And if you're using that as a way to handle your mortalities, because um, we did some work a long time ago with composting that the virus does eventually die. But still, you've got vultures or coyotes or or wolves or whatever might be in your locations that could potentially move carcasses before that happens. Right. So um, it doesn't just evolve around the farm. Right. Or the the actual building.
0: You're correct. It could be your dead stock management. It could be your manure management as well. All that PD, positive manure eventually need to be spread. Um, but just being very conscious about it, uh, conscious about your neighbors as well, and the timing is all part of the the equation here. And then really trying to prevent the next outbreak.
2: Mm-hmm. So how do we hold people accountable? I think that's, you know, we do have uh, systems in the U.S. that do ask that their finishers shower in and shower out. But Obviously, we're not standing there every day watching somebody shower in and shower out. So how do we encourage people to hold themselves accountable?
0: Yeah, if I had the secret. Eh? <laughs> I'm sure everybody's on waiting for the the secret there. But one of my beliefs is to explain people the why. I, I believe people want to do well in general, once uh, they understand the why. Nobody wants to be told what to do. I'm like that. If I don't understand what people are asking me, I don't see the point. It's really hard to implement and believe in it and do it day to day. So having that discussion of why those measures are in place and really having an open discussion so people can also question it, uh, and it, does that make sense for my farm, and then you can go through and explain the risk, um, I feel we have a better chance of compliance in, in when people understand that. Also understanding the impact. What if you do not do it? What if PD comes into your farm? And that's an important discussion for finishing barn for PD because PD doesn't affect much finishing barn. Um I mean, you can hardly see it sometimes. It's easy to miss. So a finishing barn could say, "Why would I even care about PD if it gets into my farm? I have no loss." Well, that's true for you, but if you think big picture, that saw barn beside you will have major loss. And once there's a lot of PD in, in one area, you put more pressure on the other barns around. It could be aerosol spread or area spread. Um, so it just brings more challenge to the, your neighbors. And if that neighbor happen to be a saw barn, that is where the big loss is. So. That's in bio-security, you just don't think about yourself. You really think about your neighbors. Um, and that's also what we've been trying to do. So explaining, yes, the big impact is in Sa barn, but why you finishing barn, also need to shower. It, this is the reason. The economic impact. So sharing all of that with all the levels of people working in our farm. So not just the production manager or the manager understand it, but way down to your day-to-day staff that goes in and out, shower a couple times. They must understand why it is so important rewarding them too for good behavior, having fun with it, trying um different way of uh, making Bioscruity exciting, if it's possible, uh, trying always, I just feel it's like a hammer. I'm, I'm like a hammer too in our system, just saying, oh, Bioscruity, Bioscruity. It's almost boring and people don't want to listen to you anymore. So you need to bring a new twist to it every couple of months, couple of years. Um, so, yeah, it, it's challenging, but I think that's one way of trying to make it better.
2: Yeah, and it's so true, right? Because we know people are, are the reason why we typically move disease around. And, and and so how do you help communicate that? How do you keep, especially a contract finisher, motivated to to do what's right, um, especially if it may not truly impact their pigs? That That's sometimes a little bit harder to engage that individual and keep them motivated to do the right thing. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's not easy. And then preaching by example, too, if I think for, for me, I'm I'm lucky. There's always been a great biosecurity culture at High Life. So it's just a matter of keeping it going and, and create, keep going with new people. Um, but it comes from the top to the bottom. So yeah, preaching with example, making sure everyone follows it.
2: Yeah. I can always remember when I would have new students come for the summer as my interns and we'd spend the hour talking about biosecurity and we'd give them the, the bucket of you know, boot covers and fly spray and, you know, sprayable disinfectant. And we'd go out and we wash their cars and we'd wipe them down. And there was always that sense of being overwhelmed. Right. That's that was so much to them so quickly. And and how to ensure them that over time, it's a process that you really don't think much about. You do it, right? It becomes like muscle memory. It's just a process that you learn to do and you and you just it's innate, right? We just go do it. And so I think that, you know, how do you tackle that? How do you help people get past that first impression of how overwhelming all those steps can be?
0: Yeah, that's a yeah, excellent question. And again, try to keep it simple. And I find we complicated bioscries so much over the years. So having layers is probably one very important point. So having multiple layers, if one fails, or I should say when it fails, one other layer will keep it out. Um, but you're right, it's our protocols are very often too complicated. So um, just revamping sometimes your entry way to make sure, I call it dummy proof, making sure that anyone coming in your farm will figure out what they're supposed to do. Uh, where are they sp- supposed to take their boots off, put their socks on, shower in? Uh, if it is not clear, don't expect anyone to follow it or they'll do their best, but they might breach your bioscurity. So really trying to be consistent, clear signage, making it simple, really help a lot because in, in our system, it's a real challenge. We have over 150 farms and I usually, usually use myself as an example. I say I visit all of those farms eventually. Um And it's co- even myself, I breach your own bioscurity. I tell that to the staff. I am breaching your bioscurity. Please stop me if I do. But your system is complicated. I know I'm supposed to take my boots off, but where is my sock feet going? It's not clear. So making them realizing those little things like, well, if you would put a bench here with this signage, everybody now would know. Uh So not necessarily million-dollar investment, sometimes it's very simplifying things, making it very clear, clear signage, clear color. I like the green, yellow, uh, orange type of color. So we're we're even going there painting uh, the entryway to make it easy.
2: That's actually really fascinating. I, I like that idea of uh, painting different phases or having tape on the floor or something of different colors just to help people kind of engage, oh, this is a new, a new step or a new phase of biosecurity or new tier that I need to be thinking about. That's actually really good. Um, What about, so some of the conversation in the U.S. lately has been adding an additional layer. So maybe you put your boot covers on, you get out of your vehicle, but before you go to the barn, you go somewhere else and you change into farm shoes and then you get to the barn and you do the Danish entry system. Or you get into the barn, you do the Danish entry system, and then you stop and you take your socks off and you walk another layer. Is that something you're considering, or are you still kind of focused more on just the basics of boot covers, Danish entry?
0: We are. There is, and mostly due to PD. PD is a disease that is very easy to track. So we're actually, when I said a CAS line, we're moving to permanent CAS lines where we install a shed at the end of the driveway. Uh, and again, it's to minimize that risk of. Uh, and making it better for the employees. It's uh, minus 40 when it's dark in Mentoba. It's not fun to walk half a mile uh, the best you can and, and in, into your uh, slippery fo- foot coveralls. So what we have, uh, we're in, it's very new for us. We had a very few barns with that, and we took model of them and, and trying to expand it. But uh, those are more expensive, obviously, um, renovation. Uh, you need a plug-in for your cars. It's called in Mentoba. But we're trying to really move... All the parking and the traffic as far as possible from the farm and yes, a change of footwear there, and then people walk to the barn. Now it's you still will have your feed truck, your livestock truck that will cross that line. Um, but it's uh it's really minimize the traffic. And what we've we've looked at many PD outbreak and and one of the very often what we see is um we don't exactly know why the barn break, but the amount of traffic on site is very often pointed out as, mm, there was a lot of traffic. We cannot tell which one brought PD there. Uh so being able to push that line. So I, I do support that. It's not easy. It's not every farm, obviously. We go with our big 6,000 uh, 6, sow barn, for example, our multipliers. Um, But it is one more layer that probably will help with some disease, yeah.
2: Yeah. One of the things that I have, we used to talk a lot about um, was always that snowball effect. So Scott D. talked about it with PERS. We believe it happens with PED as well. Um, and you're in Manitoba, so that's a great a great one, right? Because it's cold. It's really cold. In fact, it does not work if the temperature that you're chasing and you get lots of snow. So are there any special tricks that you consider doing in the winter that might be different in the summer just to try to reduce that that snow issue?
0: Yeah, it's terrible. It's really hard. And, and we've been very fortunate. Um, our couple PD outbreaks, 2017, 2019, we had two really bad years. It was over actually summer. It started in spring. The worst was summer. Uh, and then by the time we reached winter, we were almost done. There was very few cases left because vehicle disinfection, booties, parking far. It's all something we can manage in summer, uh, but it became almost impossible in winter. And in 2021, 2022, our PD outbreak started in October, and the worst of it was January, February. Um, and it, it was a struggle, actually. And then we've seen some case we believe was due to snow clearing, so that equipment moving from side to side. How do you wash snow clearing equipment? When it's minus 40, it's impossible. Um, so so that brings us to the next discussion. What's the best possibility you can have is having no disease. <laughs> if there is no PD around you, this becomes not a risk. So uh, I, I really like the idea of eradicating disease as a whole, as an industry, because some of those challenges we will not be able to overcome just by an individual farm trying to do the best they can. Um, we really, if you can create an area without the disease, it makes you more likely to stay negative, even if your bioscurity protocol is not 100%, even if your snow-clearing equipment is going from farm to farm. Um, it's It doesn't mean you can stop on bioscurity because the virus is never far or the bacteria is, uh, but it really put less pressure on your system. When the farm next door has a disease like PERS or PD, it makes it very difficult.
2: So let's talk about disease eradication. We've, we're successful to eradicate pseudorabies. Um not so much with PERS. we've we've tried in at least in the United States we've tried mapping it um mapping out our farms, trying to figure out different processes we've had counties try a localized eradication programs uh we tried early on with p e d um and they're not eradicated so how do we go about that process of disease eradication?
0: yeah, it's very tough, and we're in exactly in that with uh, Manitoba so. We know how to eradicate PD from a farm, purse or PD. I, I think we've we're becoming really good at it. Uh, we have done hundreds of those eradication in all kind of farms, sounders, we finishing, feral to finish. It's very impressive. So we know how to eradicate disease as an industry, and even mycoplasma now. There's really good paper. Like we're excellent. We know the protocols. The problem is to keep it out. And then you're right, as an industry or in area, we've not been that successful. I think we really need to look at our industry and that, that is a tough discussion and we need everybody on board. And I think very often that's where it fails. And I don't have a solution today. I'm just pointing out some of the obvious, everybody knows, but you need everybody at that table, not just the swine producer, but you need your transporter, you need your dead stock management team, your rendering facilities, uh, you need your coal sows, uh industry. So I think what happened is we, we have part of the industry really working hard, knowing what to do, but that they don't have buy-in from necessarily the whole industry. And the other thing too is buy-in from all the producers in that area because you just need one that decides not to participate and bring positive pigs in the area. Uh, And that would, yeah, that would uh, defeat the whole purpose. But that's a, like in Manupa with PD, it is an industry approach. It is an area for us. We we eradicate. It's a provincially reportable disease. And even that, we've been at three really bad outbreaks now over the last few years. So I don't have the solution yet. The good news is We're working together. We have great communication. We all have the same goal as an industry. So I believe we'll get it done, but it's not easy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But that's great to know that that you're working on, at least in Manitoba, that idea of eradicating PED and giving us an opportunity to maybe observe and and find your success and figure out how to maybe use that somewhere else. And you're exactly right. Once we figure out that model, then we can move it on to other places and and hopefully, be equally as successful.
0: Yeah, so, for us um, in Mentova we're good up to two years, <laughs> and then it seems that it's always the triggering point where we eradicate everything. We may get to two years mark, and then usually something happens and, and we lose control again. So uh, we'll get there, though. We know how to eradicate. We know how to keep it out for a certain amount of time. So we just need to extend that to a few more years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck to you on that. I think <laughs> we'll be watching you to see how that goes for sure. I'm excited, though. I really am. Um, so one of the other things that I wanted to talk about, we talked about accountability and, and so forth, but let's talk a little bit about auditing. You said you're in charge of auditing. And so what does a biosecurity audit look like for you?
0: Yeah, audit is very important. I think for any anything you're doing, you want. Um, so I, I use audit as a way of making sure our processes are understood. And I find audit, it's not Policy people. I always say, I I did not go to vet school to be a police. Sorry, I'm not a cop, I'm not a police, I'm not there to do that. But I really like training and understanding why people uh, don't comply with protocol. So when we do those biosecurity audits, when you find something they're not doing, for me, the most important part is understanding the why. Why are you not following the protocols? Because then you highlight very often, they're like, well, because this doesn't work in my farm. or. Actually, this is written like that, but I don't even have this piece of equipment. Or So really understanding the why uh, and then making it better at their farms. Or if it's just it's key, they did not understood, they have to do it that way. So then we can review. So we use our audit. Um, we audit a very large amount of farms um, very regularly. And we use those audits to also find if it's an individual farm problem. So is it just one farm that missed one step? Or is it a systemic problem? So if, if we're doing 50 audit and all of those 50, 25 have the same mistake, well, obviously there's something we're doing wrong well at the higher level. Our protocols are not well understood. Or So let's challenge that back and make them better. So that's how I see audit, uh, more as a, a tool to assess your training and your teaching and, and see if your protocol makes sense. And not to see if people are f- really following them. Because if, they're, if they make sense, people understand the why and they've been taught properly, they do follow them usually.
2: Mm-hmm. How often do you find, though, that as a system, if you create a biosecurity protocol, that you're adjusting a piece here or there for different farms? Is that common for you that every farm may not have the same biosecurity protocol or no most of them are following this There's just a few that maybe have something different that we, we have to change that for?
0: Yeah, there's always some unique situation and mostly when you rely on equipment or, or layout of farms. Um, so the showering in, showering out, but that's something like High Life is committed. We've done a lot of major renovations. So having a walk through showering in process, um, totally like, so the old way in a finishing barn, the shower was more so you don't smell when you come out. Um, so the shower is in the, in the office part. So you have to actually enter the barn to go shower. <laughs> so all of those, it still exists. So that's where we'll have to tweak protocols to make anything that made more sense. But we're slowly getting at them one by one, uh, making sure the layout of the farms makes sense and and more applicable. Now, if it comes to something that is not equipment related, but just an action somebody is supposed to do, that's easier to comply across the company. Um, So we don't have necessarily to adapt as much. But when it comes to layout, equipment, yeah, for sure you have to adapt.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think those are are great comments. And it's, it's one of those things that I think is a challenge as a as a production system right because we believe that efficiency is keeping everybody on the same wavelength all the time and and as you just pointed out it's not always the one size fits all and so how do you how do you make those allowances to maximize your biosecurity without creating a lot of confusion if you will so if a production manager goes to one farm they know oh this is a little different here or if they go to a different farm this is a little different here right so I think that's that's a little bit why I was curious how much you you allowed those those differences
0: as little as possible, but they are there, uh, and that's where your clear signage, uh, making sure people know exactly how to do it, is very important. But there is some. Things that are not open to discussion, You don't. when you bring supplies in, you need to disinfect it. <laughs> so <laughs> right. there, there are basic like that. But when it comes to entry protocols, if if the barn is set up a little bit differently, making sure we have very clear signage uh, and indication of what to do and then training. I, I really like also to when I come to a farm, even myself, I'm the ed vet and, and people always get a little bit surprised, but I'm asking, what am I supposed to do here? How do you want me to enter your farm? And they think it's a quiz because I'm quizzing them. But really, I'm just making sure that, well, first they can explain it to me so I don't breach their protocol. Uh, and, but I, and then I understand if they understand it, if they can verbalize it to me and say, well, this is what we do here. And I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. Thank you. Uh, so it has two ways. it's make sure I, I am not breaching protocol. And then I understand, I know that they are understanding what they're supposed to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. The other piece that I think is really important is is for each employee to hold each other accountable. And I think one of the best examples I had was one day I walked onto a farm. Farm manager knew I was coming, but he didn't communicate it to the staff. I was walking down the farrowing hallway and I actually had somebody stop me and say, what are you doing here and who are you? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I oversee the research for the system, but they didn't know that. They didn't know who I was, Um, but it was really to me, refreshing to actually have somebody physically stop me and just not assume that I belonged there. Right. So I think those are are important too. Yeah.
0: And we encourage that people to speak up, question, don't assume anything. Uh, And in a system, I don't know for other system, but for us, it's kind of taken for granted. If somebody walk in, they must have a reason to be there. So you don't question them. And we're trying to change that saying, no, no, this is your farm. Always question who comes in. Uh, Yes, it's maintenance, but you can ask, where were you before? Are you allowed to come here? And there's tools now to allow that. We have uh, electronic like G, uh, geofence and Farm out garden and tools like that, but really empowering employees to feel comfortable. This is your site. Please question anybody coming in. Uh, you can call the vet if you need information, but making sure that, it, it, because I've seen that in the past, where they just say, well, it's high life, it's maintenance, it must be okay. Well, no, everybody can make mistakes. So
2: That's right. That's right. And no, we do. We have some groups that are using things like Geofence as well and, and you know, different ways of, of preventing access to groups into different farms. And so I think that's just going to be part of that biosecurity as we move forward as well. Just as you mentioned, right, I, maintenance people maybe get their tickets wrong or they get confused as to which farm is really the one they're supposed to be at that day. And um,
0: Or the that just changed recently and they did not.
2: And they did the not. Yeah, that's a great example, too. Right. So very good. Um, well, I see our time is kind of wrapping up here. I've really enjoyed visiting with you. Um, but what I'd like for you to do before we jump over to those infamous questions is to first, um, maybe give us a few key points or takeaways that you'd like for our listeners to be thinking about around biosecurity, disease ma- uh, containment, and so forth.
0: Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's to not get tired about biosecurity. We cannot. Um, we need to continue and and, and make it better. So, and also think about biocontainment. I think that's something what our industry can do better. It's not just be reactive once there's disease outbreak in our area to slowly start thinking, oh, maybe that could be me next. Um, so really have strong biocontainment plan in place. What if I get that disease? What's going to be my plan? And then day to day, what do I do to not spread it to my neighbors? And also think more as an industry and think of your neighbors for any disease. We're all in this together, so it doesn't matter if you're a finishing barn, if you're a sow barn nursery, let's all think of each other, and, and I think that will make it easier to accept that we need to eradicate those diseases altogether.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Very good.
1: It's time for our famous three. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts, MS Gold. The best hygiene products in livestock farming. Swine management to the next level. CloudFarms.com. Ivonic, We are sciencing the global food challenge. We have a time and labor saving product for you. Agrislats by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With Agrislats, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting and forming. To learn more, visit MyHealthyFarms.com. Well, Corinne,
2: as you know, uh, we like to ask our speakers a couple of common questions. The first one I would ask you is, do you have a swine resource or reference that you would recommend to our listeners today?
0: Oh, a swine resource. Well, I like website, uh, something easy to access anywhere. I, I'm, I'm a vet, so I like AESV website. I find it very nice. You can Google or search for your keyword. You have presentation, you have pictures. Uh, so, definitely one of my favorite. And I like the pig site actually also sometimes to show people simple pictures or what is this disease. So, those are my favorite go to. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, very good. Those are great recommendations. How about something that's not related to pigs? Is there anything you're reading or recently read that you'd recommend to our listeners? Well,
0: it has to be about pig. I love pigs. So, <laughs> I actually recently, uh, I've been back. I love reading, but I have four kids. So, for a while, I was not as much. Uh, Adam at reading. But I, still, I started again lately. Uh, we have a kind of an unofficial book club, some of our, our vets. Um, and then I read a very good book actually on meat. It's called In Meat We Trust by uh, Maureen Ogle, And I found it very historic um, based, very fact based. And I really like that. I, I understood better our industry. So
2: would recommend it for sure. Oh, very good. Well, I'll have to look into that one. Um, so my last question is, is if you can think of someone in your life that um, you define as successful Mm and you define success however you want to, Uh, what would be a trait about them that you think's allowed them to be successful?
0: Um, I think it's surrounding yourself and what I see with those people, it's surrounding yourself with passionate people. It cannot go wrong. If everybody around you, people in your life, people you work with are passionate about what they do, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be big. It just makes it easier and, and I think it's a better chance for success when you're surrounded with those people.
2: Absolutely. It's a wonderful trait to have, to be passionate about something, for sure. Well, Karen, I want to thank you again for your time today. I have really enjoyed it. For our listeners today, again, this is Dr. Karen Talbot from High Life up in Manitoba, Canada. And this was a special episode of our International Women's Day. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for having me.
1: Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to Nutritionist.com.